Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. All right, let's let's get in the Word this morning because I am so excited to be sharing the Word with you today. Hallelujah. Not only is God great, When I think of great, I think of all the miracles that my God, (laughs) that my God has performed in my life. I was thinking this morning, even thinking even this morning, it was this time last year. And and, excuse me, I'm going to turn this on this morning because, you know, wind. Yeah. The wind of the Holy Spirit. That's what I need today. Hallelujah. But I was thinking this time last year was about the time that um, I was seeing the doctor and they weren't sure what was going on. They just knew there was something that wasn't right going on. And I cannot get rid of this Xfinity box there. Um, they knew that something was wrong. Blood tests had come back. They weren't exactly sure what it was. They needed to do a biopsy. You never like the sound of that word. Um, needed to do a biopsy. And it wasn't until a couple months later that they were finally able to proceed with that. And I was diagnosed with cancer. And earlier this year, I had surgery, and they removed all my reproductive organs just to make sure that the cancer wouldn't spread, and I'm standing here today cancer-free. And I didn't have to go through, haven't had to go through the chemotherapy, the radiation, all the other things that can really tear your body down in the process of healing you or trying to kill the cancer. Thankfully, they were able to remove it all with surgery, and I'm just so grateful. God is a great God. Do you know that everything good and perfect, it says, comes from above? Anything good in my life, I'm giving credit to God. The fact that I can stand here a year later and say that I'm cancer-free is only because of the goodness and the grace of God. And so I'm so grateful, and it's just an example of God's greatness in my life. And I'm, I'm just, that song just made me think of that this morning. Wow, a year ago we were wondering what's going on. And a year later, I'm standing here completely cancer free and healed from surgery and all of those things. You know, um, last week, it's hard not to talk about the greatness of God. It just, I'm sorry it is. It's hard not to talk about it when you've been through some things. I've been serving God now for over 30 years, most of my life. Yes, I was very small when I came to know the Lord. Okay, I was very young. Um, But over 30 years, so the majority of my life, and when I look back at all that he's done for me, I can't help but want to talk about it. Because somebody needs to know about the greatness of God. Pastor Donald preached a great message last week. I mean, phenomenal. I always say this, like, I'm like, every time I hear him preach, I'm like, that was your best message ever. It's like, and the next time he preaches, I'm going to be like, that was, that was the best one. Yeah. 
But I do that with all the pastors around here. So in case you were wondering if there's anybody in the room wondering or anybody online wondering this morning, my name is Pastor Jenny. And my husband, Lionel, and I, you saw him up here with me when we were doing the Right Hand of Fellowship this morning. We are associate pastors here at the Building Christian Fellowship. We're so honored and privileged to serve y'all here at the building. Um, if you've been coming just for a short time, you, I want to tell you something. Like, we do have senior pastors here, okay? You're like, why is there someone different up there preaching every Sunday? Don't they, you know, have a, a senior pastor here? Yes, we do. We cannot wait for you to get to meet them. If you haven't had the opportunity yet to meet Pastor John and Pastor Kaya, I believe you're probably online with us this morning. Pastor John, Pastor Kaya, hello to you. We send our love to you guys. We're looking forward to your return soon to be back with your family. Pastor John received a new heart. He received a heart transplant. Praise the Lord. And um, I'm just so honored uh, to stand up here this morning before you all and share a little bit of what's been on my heart. I, I, I always look forward to when we talk about hope, but I, I'm just very privileged and honored that Pastor John and Pastor Kaya um, would allow me the honor to get up and stand before you this morning. Um, we're in this series, as you all know, Pastor Donald started off with a bang. I almost did not want to be the one to preach after him, the Sunday after him, because it was so good. And I'm almost a little jealous. Okay, I know that's not, that's one of the things you're not supposed to be, is not supposed to be jealous, but I like to call myself the hope girl, okay? That's my hashtag. That's like my thing. I'm the hope girl. But then he got up there and he preached like the best message I've ever heard on hope. And so I'm up here to outdo him today, okay? Nobody can take my hope. Hope is my anthem. Hope is my story, okay? So nobody should be able to preach it better than me, okay? So, so. Here we go. And he, Pastor Donald always sits in the back, y'all. It's like he's sitting in the front this morning. Like he's challenging me. He's like, what you got? Yeah, what you got? Hold on. Okay, buckle up, buddy. Okay, buckle up. Hope is my message. Okay, all right. No, actually, I am really excited to hear the, the whole series that we go through because you're going to get to hear the hope story from all different perspectives. Um, but he preached an awesome message last week, and I've been looking forward to it because hope is my favorite thing to talk about, not just to preach about, but just to talk about in general. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to, like, a group gathering of people, and someone always wants to do an icebreaker. Shout out to Pastor Kaya, because that's her thing, doing icebreakers. So there's always a game. They want you to get to know each other a little bit better. And one of the questions I remember being asked one time is like, if you had to right now stand up and give a speech about anything unprepared, you just had to go right now, give your speech, what would you talk about? And for me, I knew easily that it was going to be about hope. I would talk about hope. I could sit here and talk to you about it all day long. In fact, I'm going to talk to you about it this morning. Um, hope is just my favorite thing in the Bible to talk about. I mean... I'm so serious about hope that I had the word hope tattooed to my wrist. My daughter's middle name is Hope. If you come into my house, you're going to see hope, the message of hope all over the place. People give me things that say hope all the time, and I love it every time. I cannot, you can never have too much hope, okay? You can never have too much hope. 
And if there's, so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like still thinking of hope as maybe like Pastor Donald called it last week, the middle child. No offense to any middle children in the room, okay? Because you're special, Tira, okay? We're not, this is just, you know, the stereotypes that people like to make about the middle child, right? Okay, we're not calling anybody out specifically, but usually it's the middle child that gets overlooked, right? The middle child is kind of, you know, the the oldest firstborn child, you are truly a life saver. You are my BFF. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so excited about hope, you guys. I'm just, I'm sweating just thinking about everything we get to talk about together this morning. But um, hope, you might be sitting here thinking, why is she so excited about hope? Like, calm down, Jenny. Hope is not that serious. No, yes, hope is that serious, okay? I got some nodders in the room. I like it. You're, you're, you're tracking with me. I appreciate it. Hope really is that important. But I get where the disconnect is because a lot of people have the wrong idea of what biblical hope is. We're talking about a different kind of hope than what you're used to hearing. Like, I hope the Cowboys win today, okay? Like, after last week, we're really not sure, right? But I mean, I hope they do win today, okay? I I hope she feels better. Oh, I hope it works out. It's wishy-washy when you use hope like that. So I can understand why you wouldn't be that excited about a word like hope. You know, we think of faith, right? And that, that's a strong word. That's a confident word. That's the firstborn child, right? Like faith is the strong one. Faith is like the, the class president. You're in high school. You got, he's the ca- class president. He's the star athlete. He's strong. And sometimes, you know, and then his little brother Hope comes walking in, you know. Hope's the nerd that sits in the corner, though he's with the nose in the book, you know what I mean? Can't lift much of anything, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, that's how we think of hope. But I want to change your perspective on what hope is this morning. Hope is not just the middle child. It sounds, it sounds a lot like when we're talking about the kind of hope that a lot of us are used to, that it's just like wishful thinking. Like, I, you know, I hope it happens. It's more like you're wishing and you're wondering if it's going to happen and you're, you're trying to have good, good feelings about it, good vibes. Well, we don't need good vibes, okay? It's not about that. The hope that we're talking about is confident. And so Pastor Donald gave us the, the definition, sorry, last week of what hope is. And hope is the expectation of good to come. Hope is the expectation of good to come. It's not wishing. It's not wondering. It's not good feelings. It's not good vibes. It's an expectation. It's a confident expectation. The same way a farmer takes a seed and puts it in the ground and he covers it up and he waters it and he protects that ground, pulls the weeds, keeps the pests from getting to it. He can't see it, but he fully expects that at harvest time, something is coming out of that ground. If he planted corn, he's expecting corn. If he planted wheat, he's expecting wheat. If he planted beans, he's expecting beans. And that's the kind of hope that, the bibl- that biblical hope is. It's an expectation that if God said it, I believe it. 
It's going to happen. Real hope means this. It means looking toward the future with assurance, not wondering or wishing, but with assurance and with confidence. Just like Pastor Donald said last week, we don't hope backwards. We hope looking forward. Hope looks forward. Hope does not look back. We're hoping for something that's ahead of us. We're not sitting here thinking our best days are behind us. No, hope says my best days are ahead of me. Real hope means looking forward to the future with assurance, you guys. The kind of hope we're talking about in this series is the Bible kind of hope. And hope means this. I want you to listen. If you don't listen to anything else, listen to this next statement and get it in your heart this morning. So I need you to like elbow your neighbor, check in, make sure they're not sleeping. I know the rain makes us sleepy. Nudge them, say, listen up. This is not the time to fall asleep. This is what hope means. It means waiting for the inevitable goodness of God to manifest in your life, not preparing for it to fail you. I'm going to say it again. Hope means waiting for the inevitable. That means there's no possibility of it not happening, okay? It's absolutely going to happen. Waiting on the inevitable goodness of God to manifest in your life and you're not preparing for it to fail you. I know a lot of us have been disappointed in the room. Could you raise your hand if you've ever been disappointed? Yeah, we all know what that feels like. And when we've been disappointed, what is the automatic response for us? Well, I'm just not going to really believe for anything again. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to set myself up to be disappointed, right? But that's the way the world operates. And I would like you to know If you didn't know already, we're not living for this world. Yes, we're in this world, but we don't live for this world. And when we experience disappointment, the attitude of a believer should be, well, if that didn't work out, God must have something better planned. That should be our response as a believer. If we believe what the word of God says, if we truly have hope, I'm not waiting for the goodness of God to fail me. I'm waiting for the inevitable goodness of God to manifest in my life. And it may not look like always the way we think it should look. It may not always look like the way we planned for it to look. It might look, it might even look completely different then we expected it. But let me tell you something. There's nothing that compares to the goodness of God. So if it didn't work out this time, this way, then God must have a better time and a better way for it to work out for me. That's what hope says. Romans chapter five. Probably be a good idea if we bring some Bible into this this morning. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, it says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's Glory, that's what biblical hope looks like. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, when it doesn't work out the way we expected. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 
And this hope will not lead to disappointment. See, the biblical kind of hope doesn't leave you disappointed. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I'm not just out here hoping for the best. When you say that, you're just, I'm wishing for the best. I'm wondering if maybe I'll get the best. And that's the worldly kind of hope. So I understand if to you before today thought, what's the big deal about hope? Why is she getting so excited about it? That's because you've had the wrong perspective of what hope really is. Hope is not just a measly weak kid sitting with his nose buried in a book in the corner. Hope is the star football player. Hope is the championship weightlifter. Like hope is heavy. That's why we got to develop our grip strength like Pastor Donald talked about last week. Like we're building all our other muscles in our body. We're building all our other muscles in this walk with God. I'm a good, I'm good at loving. I'm good at being patient. I'm good at being kind and doing good deeds. But I don't want to get my hopes up. So it's like, okay, I got the strength to lift it, but I can't hold on to any of it because I have no grip strength. I got no hope. Hope is your building block. Hope is like the primary step. It's the first step we take towards anything. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And listen, there's a lot of things happening in our world today that we can sit here and disagree on. Right? I could pick one topic and there would be probably 20 different views on that one topic just in this room alone. And there would be people like Pastor Donald just picking an opposite view just so they can argue with you, okay? Just so they can argue with you. There's a lot of things we can disagree on, but I believe with all of my heart, and I don't even know every single person in this room or watching online this morning, but I think there's one thing that I'm almost absolutely 100% positive that we could all agree on. And what that is, is that the world is in need of some hope. Like we can sit here and disagree about everything else, but we could all agree that if, if the world needs anything right now, it's some hope. Hope is a bridge. It's like what connects us from our present pain and suffering and disappointment and the things that we're dealing with living in a broken and imperfect world, okay? And it's hope is the bridge that connects us to and carries us over to what our final destination and hope and glory is going to be. It takes us from suffering to salvation. That's what hope does. It's what allows us, it's what helps us to push past what we're suffering in right now because there's this hope that's telling us Despite all the desperation I see in front of me and my mind can't figure out how this is, could ever possibly work out for me, hope is the anchor, right, that holds us in the midst of our emotions wanting to do a lot of this. Okay, just because you get emotional up and down and feel things, feel pain, feel disappointment, feel sadness, feel grief, feel weariness, that doesn't mean that you're not anchored to hope, okay? Feelings are feelings. Hope and the anchor is what holds us. I don't know about any of you. I've been on a ship where the anchor didn't hold us. 
what was that, 2010? Pastor Donald and Raquel are celebrating their 10th anniversary. They had four little kids running around at home that Raquel very rarely got a break at all, if at all, from. And finally, she's going on a one-week cruise to Mexico with no little people holding on to her. And what happens? The very first night, okay, we, we on the ship, we had dinner together, right? We had nice dinner. We went to bed, and y'all, at 6.30 in the morning, the sirens were going off. And the announcement was made that there was, ultimately, there was a fire in the engine room. And the boat stopped. Like, everything. No electricity. No plumbing. Use your imagination on that. What was it, like 5,000 people on this ship together with no plumbing? No refrigeration. So imagine how all the food that was in the refrigerator started to smell after a while. Okay, but I wasn't going to complain about the, all of that stuff. I was just going to say that by the time they figured out, like, this, had, this was before these kinds of things had ever happened with cruise ships. We were, like, the first ones. This was a lot of years ago, okay? We were really young back then. But um, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that, right? 12 years ago. Oh, yeah, it's 2022. This was 2010. So they didn't know what to do. So it literally took them days to figure out how to get all these people either back to land or put them on other boats and bring them back or were they going to tow the ship? It took them like four days to figure it out and they finally figured out what to do. They did get some of the plumbing working, which was praise the Lord. That was great. But for the, most, for the rest of that time, we had no electricity for all those days that we were on the ship. And I don't know about anybody else, but like we were going, it was November and we were going somewhere tropical. So the only clothes I brought were like shorts and t-shirts, right? But we never got far enough to get to the warm weather. So like we're wearing the same clothes every day because the only warm clothes we had were the ones we wore onto the ship because it was like the middle of November. <sighs> anyway. Because there was no electricity, the way that the anchors work on these cruise ships is with electricity. So the longer we waited for them to figure out how to get us all back, the boat was just going floating farther and farther and farther and farther away. If we are not anchored to hope, we're just going to float farther and farther and farther away. And we didn't even know how far away we were. We didn't know we were floating farther away. I mean, we knew the boat was rocking, you know what I mean? Thankfully, the waters weren't so bad that people were, you know, that it was dangerous or anything. We were rocking back and forth, but we didn't realize that we were floating farther and farther away, and that's how it is. That's how it is when we let go of the anchor of hope. We just start floating farther and farther away. And then before you know it, you're like, where is the, where's the land? I saw it yesterday, but like, I don't know where it is now. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25 says this. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. That's our hope, y'all. It's not about what hap is happening right now. 
for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward, looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Like, we're not looking forward, you guys, just to what's happening here on this earth. Our real hope comes in looking forward to the day when we'll leave this broken and imperfect and difficult world. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan. Anybody been groaning lately? Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Amen. We too wait with eager I love that eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies, praise the Lord, he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. So listen, anybody who's here like, I don't don't have hope, I don't need hope. If you're saved, you have this hope. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Okay? But if we, are look, if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Patiently. Why does God have to do us that way? I, anybody else can be a little impatient sometimes? Like, man. But that's what hope looks like. Not only are we confidently waiting, we're patiently waiting. So yes, hope is that important. That's why hope is important to me. Without hope, this is how serious it is, okay? You're like, no, Jenny, you're going to be dramatic. No, listen, without hope, we die. Without hope, we die. I'm not necessarily talking about physically, but we definitely die spiritually and emotionally without hope. I'm frustrated because I'm thinking, like, there's so many Christians walking around without hope, without displaying hope. It's in there. It's in there because there is something on the inside of you. I can remember going through the darkest days of my life but, and not knowing how in the world any of this was ever going to work out, how I was ever going to be happy again. But there was something. It was an anchor holding me in place. There was something on the inside of me that just knew this is not how my story ends. And my future doesn't look like this. And we as believers, we who are saved, we who are the children of God, we have that hope. And without it, we die. Listen, hope is where faith begins. You can't have faith without hope. Here we are talking about the Strong older brother, right? Faith that we think, you know, he's so confident, so strong, and he is. But listen, did you know you cannot have faith without hope? Hebrews 11.1, 1, let me show you. Now faith is the substance of things, what? The evidence of things not seen. 
If we didn't even do the first step of hoping for something, we're certainly not going to have faith for anything. You cannot have faith if you do not first have hope. So here we are glorifying the, uh, the firstborn child when the middle child is sitting there like, you can't even have that without me. Take that, firstborns, okay? I'm not a middle child or a firstborn, okay? So, but before you can believe God for something, you must have first hoped for it. And you can't believe for something you haven't first hoped for. Faith needs hope. That firstborn child needs his middle child brother. So how do we get this kind of hope that we're talking about? Because it's one thing to talk about it. It's a whole nother thing to actually do it. How do I hold on to it when it gets heavy? Because that's why I said hope is heavy. That cruise ship was heavy. And yet those waves could still move it. But hope gets really heavy when things get really hard. It gets really hard, right, to hold on to hope when you're staring in the face of devastation, when you're staring at the face of loss, when you're staring at the face of, you know, helplessness, when you're staring at the face of confusion, you don't have the answer. Like, that's when hope starts getting really heavy, but that's when we've got to hold on the longest. Like, that's when we've got to hold on our... our Hold on for very for our dear life. I'll get it out one of these days. And I just messed that up because that's the title of our message today is hold on for dear life. Okay? Hold on for dear life. Hope gets heavy sometimes, but we've got to develop that grip strength. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. As we talk about hope, we're going to talk about how you can develop and strengthen your grip so that when times get dark and when times get hard and when hope gets heavy and gets hard to find, we're still able to hold on to it because our life is counting on it. Hold on for dear life. Believers, hope is your lifeline. And yes, it's that serious. That's why hope is that serious to me. We can't even talk about faith. Like maybe the next series will be about faith, but we can't even talk about faith until we've figured out hope. So here's seven ways, you guys, we're going to talk about it. Seven ways to strengthen your grip on hope, okay? Now listen, we're going to be talking about these seven over the next few weeks, okay? I'm not going to overwhelm you with all of them today. We're going to, we're, you can see what they are. You don't, you can take a picture if you want. You can write it down if you want. But listen, we're going to be talking about each one. We're going to break them each down from week to week, okay? So you don't have to be expected to remember all of these right now. But I wanted to give you just a little preview of what we're going to be talking about. And we're just going to talk about number one today, which is recharge your batteries. Any tired people in the room this morning? Every parent should be raising their hand right now, especially of little ones. But number two is raise your expectations. Number three is to refocus on the future. Number four, play to your strengths. Five, refuse to go it alone. Six, replace burnout with balance. And seven, play great defense. Like I said, don't worry about all of them. We're just going to talk about one today. We're going to talk about recharging your batteries. Everything runs on something. Even your hope runs on some kind of fuel, okay? And if you are completely depleted 
of the things that fuel you, you're going to be completely depleted of hope. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Let's read it from the Amplified this morning. It says this, but those who wait for the Lord, okay, familiar scripture, but I love the way the Amplified breaks it down, who expect, there's that expectation again, look for and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles, mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. I mean, that sounds heavenly. Like, I feel like everybody I've been asking lately, like, how you doing? And they're like, I'm tired. But I honestly feel like whenever anybody asks me, I'm like, yeah, I'm good, but I'm tired. That's why I asked, are there any tired people in the room this morning? If, that's, if you think I'm talking about you this morning, it might be possible that it's time to recharge your batteries. And some of you are thinking, okay, that sounds nice, Jenny, but you don't understand. I got this job. I got my kids. I got my husband. I got my wife. You know, I got uh, ministry stuff. I got basketball or, or soccer or gymnastics. You know, all the things that the kids are involved with. They got school. We got homework. It would be nice to, you know, take a break, but I don't really have time for that. Well, sir, madam, I'm here to tell you this morning, you might not have time to not take a break and recharge your batteries. Okay? Whew. Friend of mine, or cousin of Lionel's, 45 years old, just found out he had a stroke. Healthy guy, 45 years old. Like, what? there was no reason for it. Maybe he needed some, maybe he was neglecting his battery life. We don't know. That's why I say you might not be able to have time or be able to afford to not take a break and recharge your batteries. So why is recharging our batteries important? Why can't I just go around, you know, just getting by, just barely making it? You know, I'm making sure everything happens. I'm taking care of my responsibilities. Listen, it's really important that we don't walk around in our lives completely drained every single day because drained people are more susceptible to toxic emotions. And you know it, right? When I'm drained, when I'm tired, not just physically but mentally, I don't respond well to things, right? I'm not as present with my loved ones. I'm not as nice to be around. When I'm drained all the time, I'm more susceptible to things like fear, anxiety, worry, discouragement. I've set myself up to be more susceptible to these things. And so, again, like I was said earlier, I'm here to encourage you to be encouraged and discourage you from being discouraged today. Drained people make bad decisions. That's why we can't walk around drained all the time. And you know it. Like when I'm drained all the time, I am not making healthy decisions for my life a lot of times. I'm not necessarily being healthy in what I'm watching on TV and letting before my eyes. 
I may not be as healthy in uh, exercise and things like that that are good for my body and good for my mind. I'm making poor decisions with what I'm eating. I'm making poor decisions about what I'm doing or not doing. I'm making poor decisions at work, making poor decisions at home because I'm tired. And there's too many Christians walking around every day all the time drained. So I want to give you some practical things today to recharge your batteries. I want everybody in this room to ask themselves two questions, okay? And then I want you to be honest with yourself. Can you be honest with yourself? Okay, thank you for the response. Okay, number one, what drains me? And number two, what fuels me? Okay, so if I asked you to do it, I got to do this myself, okay? So I said, Lord, or I said, Jenny, Jenny, what drains you? And I'll tell you what drains me, okay? I'm, I have more of an introvert personality. So not having a lot of alone time can drain me. Being around people, as much as I love people, okay, I love y'all. Y'all are people. I love you. But it drains me after a while. Like, extroverts are the opposite. Like, it fuels them up to be around people. And you know who you are, Pastor John. Like, I'm the exact opposite, though. It's like, okay, I got to build myself up and prepare myself to walk into the room with a lot of people when I know there's going to be a lot of people around. And then I like to go home and and be alone, and that recharges me, right? Extroverts, you might be the opposite. So not having enough alone time, that drains me or it can discourage me. Having a full to-do list every day. Like, I'm one of those people that, like, if you look at my iPhone and the calendar, I love to use calendars. I love to use planners. I love all of that. And I love every line to be filled out with something. But then before I know it, I have overbooked myself with too many things. I like putting different calendars, have different colors and different, you know. I love the way it looks until I have to do it every single day. Yeah. 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 So if I have too much to do every single day, that drains me. If I spend too much time not having any fun, it drains me. I don't know if there's any other, like, melancholy, sentimental people out there like me. Like, we like to do all the serious things and have heart-to-heart conversations and all of that. And before you know it, I haven't laughed in days or weeks. You know, I haven't had any fun. We've cried tears, you know, together, and we've, you know, bonded over this and over that, but I haven't had any fun, and I'm thinking, why am I so tired? I got to have some fun once in a while in order uh, to not be drained all the time, and the last one I thought of is when I set unrealistic goals for myself. Like, Like I said, I like to write things down. I like to strategize. I like to plan. I'm not as good about following through with all of them, But I do like to put them down on paper or I've set uh, too many unrealistic goals or timelines for myself to complete them and then I get discouraged when I haven't done it and then I don't do any of them. And I'm drained and I'm tired even though I didn't accomplish any of them. So what drains you? You need to sit down and figure that out. And when you figure out what drains you, I realized it's very easy to figure out what fuels you. Because it's the opposite of everything that drains you. So for me, I have to make time to be alone. I have to have realistic uh, to-do lists every day and and leave openings of time in my day. I have to schedule time for myself to even have fun sometimes. 
and setting and achieving realistic goals and timelines. Those are the kinds of things. So these are just examples. And I know that sounds like a little like self-help, you know what I mean? Oh, do this, positive thinking. No, it's not. It's important that we find out what drains us and we stop doing it all the time and we find out what fuels us and we start doing that. And here's, if you want me to get a little more spiritual on the spiritual side of things, here's some, some fuel sources for each of us, okay? Number one, invest in your own growth, okay? Nobody's gonna be able to grow you. You have to do that yourself. Invest in your own growth. Perfect plug. Next week, we're going to start signups for growth groups. Get involved in one of the Bible study growth groups, okay? Learn something. Invest in yourself. And at the same time, invest in some friendships and relationships. I mean, you get two for one. Join a growth group. You know, go online. There's, oh gosh, through your Bible app, there's so many devotions that you can do. Any subject matter you can think of, even on hope, okay? You'll find a bazillion devotions on hope if you go onto your Bible app. Invest in your own growth. <laughs> Take classes. Listen to podcasts. Do whatever you need and read your Bible. Okay? And don't just read it. Study it. It's not just something that you read words on a page, but you really try to dig into. And if you don't understand it, ask somebody or Google it. The Internet can be good, used for good, okay? Let's use it for the good things. Invest in your own growth. Number two fuel source is worship and prayer. That scripture we read in Isaiah, those who wait upon the Lord, they're the ones that aren't tired, it says, and they can run and not get weary because they've spent time in the presence of God. Worship renews your strength. Worship reconnects you with God. Worship restores your perspective and it rekindles your hope. Worship restores your joy and releases your anxieties. It says in the word that the present, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. How do we get to the presence of the Lord? We worship him. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and into his courts with praise. That's where we get to where he lives is by worshiping and praising and praying, spending time before the Lord. That fuels us up. If we're empty, he can fill us right back up. And, now, and finally, third fuel source, building real relevant relationships, community. We were created for community. Lonely people, this is where hope sometimes even, if we don't have it, could kill us physically. Did you know that lonely people live significantly shorter lives? Okay, it didn't say single people, okay? Because you don't have to be lonely when you're single, okay? Let's just clarify that. We said lonely people live significantly shorter lives. It's statistically proven over and over and over again. One of the first things God said about Adam when he first created man, what did he say? It's not good. He recognized it's not good for man to be alone. And so many people use that as a scripture for marriage. And the reality is, is that the relationship between Adam and Eve went way beyond just their marital relationship. He was interested, God was interested in Adam having a community. He wanted them to create a community of people, a family to be with. It's not good for man to be alone. So it's important that we're building real relevant relationships in our lives. So 
next week when we have the opportunity to sign up for a growth group, do it. What are you waiting for? Relationships matter. And true friendships, those fill us back up when we're running on empty. So we need to figure out what fuels our hope. And we need to do it. You can't afford not to. Everything runs on some kind of fuel, including your hope. And so it's important that we recharge our batteries. Those things that fuel us, at the same time, they're strengthening our our hands, our fingers, our grasp, so that we can hold on to hope when we need it. So don't forget the importance of recharging your battery. I'm going to close things out this morning by just giving you, um, sharing a little bit with you. Like I, I told you, I'm closing this morning, but I won't take too much more of your time. I just wanted to say this, that like I told you a few minutes ago, I have been serving the Lord for about 30-something years. And in that time, I would say that I've lived a pretty hope-filled life, especially in the beginning years. I lived a pretty hope-filled life until I didn't anymore. Because the hope girl wasn't always the hope girl. She didn't always exist. At When I was a teenager, um, I can remember being in, I got saved when I was 14 years old. And I remember at about 17 years old, I was at a youth camp. And over the summertime, same camp I've been going to every summer um, since I started going to church. And I remember the moment when I just knew that God had called me into full-time ministry. There was a call of God on my life. And it excited me. You know what I mean? I thought, I'm going to make my life count for something. Um, I want to die to myself and my desires. And I want to do what God has called me to do. If he's asking me to do ministry, I'm going to do ministry. I'm going to give my life for it. And shortly after that, over the next couple of months and things, I can remember the Lord just continuing just to stir that up on the inside of me, that desire to serve him. Um, And I remember in the process that he made me a promise. And some of you, you've probably heard me share that promise before. Some of you probably heard me share my story before. But you're going to hear it again. And you'll probably hear it again. And you'll probably hear it again. I feel like Pastor Donald last week kind of opened the door and gave me permission again when he shared Revelations chapter 12, verse 11 that says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So even if you've heard me tell the story 32 times before, get ready to hear it for 33rd time this morning. But the promise that, the God, that I, I know God made me was this. And he, he promised me three things. He promised me marriage, motherhood, and ministry. Those three M's. I knew that one day I would be married and one day I would be a mother and one day I would be in full-time ministry. That was what my life was going to look like. And at 19 years old, I got married. I wouldn't recommend most people to get married at 19 years old. 
But at 19 years old, I got married. And on my honeymoon night, my brand new husband at the time, which was not Lionel, just so you guys know, we, <laughs> I'm in a second marriage now. We'll get to that. But on my honeymoon night with my brand new husband, as we were driving to San Francisco, he told me of the plans that he had, that we were going to be leaving the city that we lived in and moving to a city called Fairfield to help start a church. And this is, man, I don't even remember how many years ago, getting close to 30 years ago. And in that moment, I was like, God, you've already given me two out of the three promises that you've that you made me those couple of years ago. I just got married and we're about to enter into full-time ministry. He was going to be the, we were going to be the youth pastors. I was going to be the worship leader and we were going to be doing ministry full-time, helping start a church. How exciting. So that was at 19 years old. And then less than a year later, we moved to Fairfield and we helped start a church. And I turned 20 years old, still married, doing ministry full time, no baby yet. But I was like, that's okay. I'm 20 years old. I can wait. God promised. 21 came, 22, 23, 24, 25. Married six years now, still no baby, still doing ministry, still married. That's okay, I'm still young, 25. <laughs> you know, the baby will come. 25 turned to 26, 26 turned to 27, 28. Not yet. I see that 30 mark, you know, it's right there. But that's okay, God promised. You know, he's already, we're already at the two-thirds mark. Like, man, he, he did that right away. So, you know, we'll just wait a little longer. And then 29 came. Ten years of marriage, ten years of ministry. We should be celebrating. And instead, in that moment, at 29 years old, everything changed. At 29, I found out my husband had been having an affair. And our marriage was over. And shortly after that, ministry kind of ended when the marriage ended. And all that time, you know, I'd been wanting and praying and believing God for a baby. And I found out the other woman was pregnant. And it felt like someone came and ripped my life out from underneath me and gave it to somebody else. And in an instant, two-thirds of my promise was gone, and the one-third had never come. And now somebody else was living that part of my life. So now what? What do I do now? I, I lived my whole life for this, to be married, to do ministry, to be a mom. And I'm turning 30 years old and all of a sudden the hope of all of it has disappeared. I 
I can remember days, <laughs> I can remember days when I didn't even want to get out of bed. I continued on for a little while doing ministry <laughs> in the midst of it. But eventually, I, I couldn't do it anymore. And I can remember the days on weekends where I would close all the curtains in the house, all the blinds in the house, and let it just be dark all day long, all night long, and I would just cry. I, I, I felt like I didn't even know how to hope for something. It was like, I never even considered something like this ever happening. So now it was like completely dark. But remember when I told you that even in my darkest moments, there was still always that something deep down, even on the days when I didn't open the blinds and I cried myself to sleep, woke up in the morning crying, went to bed crying, didn't answer the phone, didn't turn on the television. I mean, just quiet silence. I can remember still having somewhere deep inside that confidence of knowing that this is not the end. This is not how my story ends. And it was in that moment, in the time of my greatest pain, my greatest desperation, that should have seemed like the most hopeless moment of my life where the hope girl emerged and came out. And after I grieved the loss of what felt like all my dreams, I picked myself back up and dusted myself off and decided that I'm not gonna live in the darkness anymore. It took several years for me to meet the love of my life, the true love of my life. But eventually, I did. And Lionel and I have been married now for almost 11 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing before you today sharing my story and my testimony doing ministry once again. God answered that. And four and a half years ago, the most beautiful, special, amazing little girl came into our lives at three years old, and she has been our daughter for the last four years through the wonderful, amazing story of adoption and I say all that to say this if I had lost hope on those days when the blinds were shut and I didn't let anybody into my life I wouldn't be standing in this beautiful moment in this place in this beautiful promise experiencing the fullness of God in my life but I figured out how to hold on to hope in those moments when it looked darkest. 
So I wanted to share, you guys, <laughs> I'm a little nervous about this. I, I decided, I wanted to share a poem that I wrote about my life, really. And it's based on Romans chapter 4, verse 18. And it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, message box. That's how many descendants you will have. But I love that part where it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. And that's what biblical hope looks like. Listen, I don't know what your situation is here this morning. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's in your, things look desperate in your marriage. Things look hopeless with your children. Um, whatever the situation might be that you're in and things look hopeless. Listen, and I just feel strongly like maybe you're here and you're single this morning and it feels like it's never going to happen for you. Listen. There is a hope. And even when things look, there is a kind of hope that even when things are hopeless, you can still keep hoping in the good, inevitable goodness of God to be manifested in your life. So this poem's called Hopeless But Still Hoping. And I, I did share it a few years back at a women's conference, but I'm going to share it again today. Hopeless But Still Hoping. A happy girl living in a beautiful world. The future looked bright. Loving God and loving life, she trusted in him with all her might. She clung tightly to the hope in her heart that anchored her soul. He loves me completely so I can give him full control. Life undisturbed, serene, nothing to worry about, it would seem. Until one day, innocence was lost and hope disappeared and the light of the future became unclear. Where was God and what happened here? Where did he go when he was supposed to be near? A not-so-happy girl living in a not-so-beautiful world with no future in sight. Things have changed and she's been betrayed. How will she ever trust again? Wandering around, not knowing where to go, ignoring his voice, but still putting on the show. Don't let them know you're afraid. Hide the world from your pain. Be perfect and shiny. Don't let anybody see you crack. You can do it. Doesn't matter you're under attack. Disappointed, but can't admit it. People are watching and they need her to win it. Never let them see you sweat. Those are words she'd live to regret. Pain and suffering heaped up in a pile. If it's gotten too heavy, she had to sit for a while. Is this how life is always going to be now? Sad and lonely every day, wishing that things would change, but how? In that moment, deep within, a familiar voice, a forgotten friend. Come to me, daughter, and I'll give you rest. I have what you need. I know you the best. Come sit with me. Leave your load right here. Just bring with you those things that you hold dear. 
Life is not all about being a happy girl in a beautiful world. It's not even about being perfect and shiny. My plans for you, they haven't been forgotten. They're all still waiting here for you to enjoy and walk in. I've made you promises that are here for the taking. All you have to do is trust in me and the beautiful you that I am making. I know you feel hopeless, but keep on hoping. I'm the God who brings the dead to life and brings new things out of nothing. In that very moment, I found what I needed. That familiar voice that I was now hearing, it was hope. Not a feeling, not a wish. It was a person with a name. It was Jesus. What a gift. Hope restored, never to be lost again. No matter what happens, I can always trust in him. He never leaves. He never abandons. His anchor of hope holds no matter what happens. So now, just a hopeful girl living in a hopeless world, but still hoping, believing in the one who brings dead things to life and makes new things out of nothing. And that's it. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning, or if you're watching online this morning, and something in that poem or something we've said this morning resonated in your heart and you're recognizing that you're low on hope today. your hope in God. I know sometimes it's hard to trust in someone you can't see or touch or feel, but listen. The God kind of hope, we read it earlier in his word, it never leads to disappointment. Listen, God's goodness is inevitable in your life when you place your hope in him. And if you're in a place, if I, if I could get everybody to close their eyes this morning and bow their heads. If you're needing hope this morning, the altars are open for those that need to spend some time at the altar in the presence of Jesus. Because listen, hope is more than wishful thinking. Hope has a name. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. He is the hope of the world, the Bible declares. And if you're needing that some kind of hope, this kind of hope this morning, we're going to open up. You can, we're not going to take hands. We're not going to do all of that. You can just come down and spend some time at the altar. This morning, if you're okay and you're ready to move on and take care of this hope with you as you go about your week, I just ask if you would leave quietly this morning and take your conversations outside. 
One last thing before we dismiss this morning. If you're in this room and you've never experienced the hope of Jesus Christ, you've never asked him to come and live on the inside of you. If that's you this morning, I do want you to raise your hand and we will pray with you this morning. If you'd like to ask Jesus to come into your heart, would you lift your hand up? That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast. <laughs>